Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in, listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. You're a group of happy people because you don't have the flu. <laughs> it is pretty happy not to have it this time. So we, we want to remind you, be praying for all the families whose children have the flu and who have the flu. It's been a pretty wild winter, and so praying for them. Also, before we stand and do our Bible confession, I do want to let you know that Pastor Jesse's mother passed away Valentine's Day. She is in heaven and uh, was in her 90s and you know, just a wonderful mother, wonderful woman that raised so many children that... Uh, I believe she ought to get a pass, even if she, you know what I'm saying, but she was born again, loved Jesus, but that's a lot of kids right there, you know what I'm saying. Also want to let you know that uh, if you oftentimes want to watch uh, on our website or watch, stream uh, the service on the website, it is down right now, being uh, under construction, and hopefully it will be up this week or early next week, uh, brand new website, you could, you could stream from there, so it's, it's down right now if you're looking, uh, it is not there. So uh, anyway, wanted to let you know. Stand with me if you would. Hold your Bibles up, your iPhones, iPads, whatever it might be. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, 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 in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Uh, we began a series a couple of weeks back entitled Killing Giants. Uh, every one of us in this room and those of you watching online, we're so thrilled you're with us. Every one of us uh, experience challenges, we'll call them giants, obstacles that stand between us and our destiny, between us and our dreams, between us and our desires. And it, there's no one person on earth that has a this, this express way or this express lane to their destiny. There's a devil who doesn't like you, and there's a God who died for you so that you can overcome the devil who doesn't like you, but you and I have a role to play in getting to the goal and destiny that we desire, and that's how come that the Bible says he's able to do more than we can think or imagine according to the power that works in us. Oftentimes, people have power in them, but the power in them is not working for them. You're waiting on someone else to take care of the giant in your life, someone that actually to you may be the giant, and you're expecting the giant to wake up one day, unlike, you know, Goliath did, he did not do it, and come out to the front of the battlefield and say, you know, I'm so sorry, I've been taunting your God and taunting your dreams now for 20 years. I just want to apologize. I'm now going to move out of the way, and I'm going to give you free access to your land of promise. That doesn't happen. And oftentimes in our lives, we are waiting for someone else to take care of the giant that we're facing. You grew up in a tough home, in a tough neighborhood. Your parents weren't there. You were neglected. You were abused. Whatever the case may be, and all of those things are very real, and they're very painful. However, oftentimes, we are expecting those who caused the pain or inflicted the pain to fix our pain. How many of you know that typically doesn't happen? And so last week or two weeks ago, and then last week, Jesse and I talked about the giant of self. 
addressing your own self and realizing that oftentimes we are the giant in our own lives. We doubt, we fear, we, we're not proactive, we're self-defeated, and, and we have to overcome that giant. And then, once we do that, we have to address the giants that are before us rather than the giants that are upon us, and we have to face those. And sometimes those giants, like I said, maybe family members, maybe a teacher that told you you'll never amount to anything, any number of people could have intentionally or unintentionally put a giant in your life. But I want you to remember this. If there is a giant before you, there is a David within you. So whatever giant you're facing, whatever your Goliath, remember this. There is a David inside your life. And what you have to do is what David did. You have to step up and exercise the authority, unlike David in this case, the authority we have in Christ. So it's technically not you defeating your giant, but it's Christ in you defeating that giant. And so uh, oftentimes when we have obstacles or giants in our lives, we don't like to talk about them. We think that nobody else has the problems we have. Nobody's addressing or has the issues we have that if we told anybody, they'd think we were crazy. But let me just tell you this. Most people in this room and most watching online have either experienced depression, are experiencing depression, or will experience depression. So today I'm going to talk about killing the giant of depression. It's estimated that in any given year, 10% of U.S. citizens will experience clinical depression. So if you put 10 people in a room, one out of that 10 will have experienced or be experiencing clinical depression. And as a result of that, you can say, well, I've never been depressed. Uh, I've never experienced it, don't ever plan to. That may be absolutely accurate, and I hope for your sake it's true. However, you're probably going to know someone that is going through a very difficult time and is experiencing depression. I've always been the happy child. I was the middle child raised with an older brother and a younger brother, and, and uh, both of them were quite different than me. First off, they were short. Thank you, Jesus. I got the height gene because, you know, short people. Anyway, uh, so I know that I'm going to take some heat for this afterwards, but let's just have a good time while we talk about depression. We'll just laugh ourselves right out of it. What about that? (laughs) And so, so, uh, you know, we grew up in a very fearful home, not much going on, and, and I had good parents, but I remember that there just wasn't a lot of happiness, you know? Everything was serious, and it was like, it was like us against the world. And, and, you know, because my older brother was short, I, I, I love him to death, but I, I know he had little man syndrome. You need to Google that if you don't know what that is. It's a real scientific deal. And, and so, you know, and, and so it's constantly feeling like I got to, you know. And so it was always this tension, and so I was, the, I was the happy guy in the family because I like to be happy. How many of you know that being happy and joyful is a whole lot more fun than all the other alternatives? I like it a lot. That's the reason I like to preach happy. I like to laugh during sermons. And some of y'all, you're just real serious. You're going to hate Mosaic. You know, it's been nice having you, but if you are a depressed, sad human being and you want to be that way, thank you for visiting 
But I just believe church ought to be filled with joy and life. It's representative that whoever the Son sets free is free indeed, and that the joy of the Lord is our strength and His presence is fullness of joy. That just makes me happy. And so people who are always walking around sad, there are reasons for that, and I'm not belittling you. I've been there. The greatest thing that ever happened to me was when I found out I was depressed. It was a great moment. I didn't even know. How many know there are two problems? Deception, people who are deceived don't know they're deceived. People who are depressed oftentimes don't know they're depressed. When I found out I was depressed and I could get healed, I thought this is a great problem to overcome. And you know how I found out? You're going to think this is really sick, so nobody probably can compare with this. I was the worst of the worst. I would get on airplanes every week. I was flying every week, and I'd put my hand on the outside of the airplane, and I'd pray that it would crash. You didn't want to fly with me, trust me. I was not the commercial guy for United, American, Southwest, Delta, anybody. Come fly with us. We're praying we crash. I thought, how selfish of me. But I was so, I didn't even care. I, this, and I told a friend this one time. He said, you're depressed. I said, really? I thought I was just okay with crashing. I guess there's a difference. And so I, I realized, I, I, I started looking at my life. All of a sudden, it opened my eyes to I think I'm depressed. That was a revelation to me. How many know the devil is so good at deception that he will get you trapped into something you don't even know? And you're living way below your God-given authority and God-given right to live the abundant life? I went through two years of counseling, I'm glad to say. And, you know, I didn't realize, I mean, the counselors, I think, I think she'll probably get, you know, like some kind of award. It's like... Two years with Mark Crow. She won't return my calls anymore. Anyway, so, but you know, it was a great time for me. Some people say, some people say, well, you know, used to when I was a kid, if you saw a counselor, you were like, you were like ill. Well, duh. And you know, it's okay when you tell somebody you've got the flu, you don't feel bad about it. You feel bad. But when you tell someone you have the flu, you don't feel bad telling them you have the flu. It's okay. Cause you know what? You know that you're going to overcome the flu, right? Well, we, we have no problem telling people when we're physically ill, but when we're mentally ill, we have an issue talking about it. Quite frankly, everyone in here is pretty much. At some point in time, okay, Can I, maybe you're not today, but at some point in your life, you have found yourself not well in your thinking. That's what mentally ill means. You're not cray-cray. You're just not thinking right. I wasn't really cray-cray. I was just depressed. I was mentally ill. I needed help. I needed, I needed some kind of like vitamin C for my soul. Amen. You know, I, I just, I wasn't thinking right. And the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So as I was thinking, so I was. I needed help. Folks, it's okay to need help. It's okay. And, and, and I tell you, man, I am so thankful for the mental health community. I mean, I'm thankful for doctors when I have the flu, when I'm having a bad time processing my thoughts. I thank God for somebody who can dig into my soul and help me. Now, I know some of you don't believe in counselors because you believe that, you know, that God is just going to heal you, and I'm great with that. Man, go for it all you want. I, I'm not belittling or down, downplaying that. I'm just simply saying there are times in our lives when we need help. And you got to get that help. Your, your, your spirit, soul, and body. The soul is made up of mind, will, and emotions. 
So we oftentimes will address our spirit. Are you born again or are you not? That's the spiritual side of things. You say, well, you know, I'm glad to say I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ. And then, you know, physically, if you have an issue, you say, well, you know, I, my shoulder hurts. I have the flu. I'm saying we have no problem. But when it comes to issues of the soul, we are silenced by the fear that somebody's going to think something's wrong with us. And quite frankly, there is, which is why Jesus died for us. And he said, you've got to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Every thought that comes into your mind and my mind has to be addressed or it will become a seed sown in our soul. This is the reason the minute you have ought against someone or you harboring unforgiveness towards someone, you need to release that quickly or that seed of unforgiveness will grow and flourish. And you believe it or not, you will be the one depressed, not the one that you haven't forgiven. Most depression is because we have not addressed our own issues in our soul. You can keep your cold as long as you want to keep it. Just keep going around people who have the cold. And don't ever take anything for it, and you'll just be a snotty individual the rest of your life. (laughs) But how many of you know a a little drip goes a long way? (laughs) It's like, please, I want to get rid of the drip going on here. And so we address it because we're done with it. We don't like it. And some of y'all need to be done with your soul being under attack and staying depressed. You need to rise up and say, I'm not living here anymore. I'm going to cast all my care upon the Lord because he cares for me. I'm taking every thought and I'm going to make it a prisoner. That thought is not going to rule my life. We spend time thinking about what everybody thinks about us, what everybody's saying about us. We contribute to our own mental illness or unhealthiness. Now, please don't get mad at me. The challenge in the church world is we've not properly addressed the sole issue of mankind. We avoid it. We shouldn't have certain feelings, so don't feel. We don't talk about those feelings. There are times I feel angry. I'm glad to tell you, and I might be angry at you if you pull out in front of me. It's very possible that I'll go from pastor to an IndyCar driver. Is it right? No. But I at least know I've done it. The problem is, is when we lie to ourselves. Oh, I'm not, you know, somebody's mad at you and they haven't talked to you for a week. And they, I'm not mad at you. They're lying. Or I, you tell them, I'm not mad at you. You're lying. We lie, and when we lie, depression sets in because untruth is a part of our soul. When, when there is no authenticity in our soul, there will be conflict inside us. This is the reason political correctness is killing our society. We can't tell the truth for fear of hurting somebody's feelings. How many of you know, I want somebody to hurt my feelings if what I'm about to do is going to hurt me? I have a, a very dear friend. I was asked to be an overseer of church, and you wouldn't know him. He's a great guy. I love him to death. He's younger than me substantially, which is not really that hard to do anymore. Uh, <laughs> I'm getting to that age where most people are younger than me, at least two-thirds of society, okay? <laughs> and so I was asked to help this young man, and he called me a couple weeks ago, and he said, you know, I I'm just really need to clean house at my church. I've been there about a year, and uh, 
uh, you know, he said, I, here's what I'm planning to do, and he's telling me, and I said, at the end of it, I said, you know, I wouldn't do that if I were you. And uh, he was wanting to terminate one of the people that had been there 15 years when he took over the church. And, and, uh, and I wasn't, I mean, you know, I just said, look, I've been doing this a long time. And I said, you know, take your time, make it right. Because see, sometimes it's not wrong to do that thing that you want to do. It's a timing issue. And so I said, just wait and, and give it time. And uh, so I just speak in truth to him. I could have just said, oh, yeah, it's terrible. What, what, what that person's doing is terrible. They shouldn't be doing that. And I, so I just said, no, you know, don't do it. I just, I thought I'm going to be truthful with him. I know he's not going to like what I have to say, but I said it anyway. Long story short, 10 days later, he was terminated. What I'm saying is this. Sometimes people that tell you the truth might save you from a disaster. And, 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 and sometimes if we don't address truth or allow truth to address us, it will create depression in our lives because of the consequences of the choices we make. Between 12 and 25% of women will be clinically depressed this year. Of the, of the people that are depressed, they're women, 12 to 25%, and only five or so of men. It's because men are men. We're not intelligent enough to be depressed. <laughs> women are more in touch with their soul than we are. We don't even know we have one. We go around beating our chest. Oh, I'm a man. <laughs> Your wife goes, I know. God help us all. And the reason more women are depressed than men is because they're married to men. Anyway, so <laughs> it's a great way to kick off our men's ministry 10 days from now. <laughs> Come and hear how sorry you are, men. All right, now, <laughs> I'll be the guest speaker at the next women's meeting. <laughs> I don't know if one point I make today is going to help you, but laughing is going to help you a lot. You know, I don't know what he said to help me, but I'm happy right now. We'll come back next week, and we'll make you happy again. Okay, so let's go to the Bible. That usually helps. <laughs> Matthew chapter 26, verse, 30, verse 34. Jesus said to him, solemnly, I declare to you this very night before a single rooster crows. See, crows are in the Bible. <laughs> I have two biblical names, Mark and Crows. And so, uh, anyway, you will deny and disown me three times. Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny or disown you. And all the disciples said the same thing. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he told his disciples, sit down here while I go over yonder and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, which James and John, he began to show grief and distress of mind and was deeply depressed. Then he said to them, my soul is very sad and deeply grieved so that I am almost dying of sorrow. Stay here and keep awake and keep watch with me. Even Jesus had to address a mental illness in that moment. Now, before you get mad at me, again, go back and remember what the Bible says. He was tempted in every way as we are tempted, and yet is without sin. The temptation in that moment would be allowed to allow depression to drive his next decision. Because that's what happens. When we get depressed, we will make decisions from the platform 
of that depression, that sorrow, and that discouragement. And oftentimes the decisions we make are decisions that will address the pain in the moment but not address the cause of the pain. This is why people get addicted to alcohol, drugs, and other things. It's not because they're bad people. It's because they're looking for a way to sedate the pain they're feeling in that moment from the depression that they're experiencing. We've often looked at people and labeled them as bad people because of the things they do, and even they don't want to do them, but because they have been depressed for so long, they need something to bring them up out of it. And yet we never talk about it. Now, I believe in medication. I believe in things helping us. I believe in those things. So please don't hear me say that I don't. But I've never talked to a person who is on medication saying, I look forward to this the rest of my life. So if we can help use the Bible and truths from the Bible to address the emotions or the soul issues of our lives, why not use them? When the Bible says take every thought captive, imprison it, don't let it have a voice into your choice. Take that thought, you'll never amount to anything. You're no good. Your daddy was an alcoholic. Your mama was this. You grew up in this neighborhood. And you hear those things, and those become the voices that drive your choices. I could never be what I want to be because I've been told my family will never amount to anything. And you begin to make decisions from the platform of your past instead of knowing what God's Word says, that nothing is impossible with God. And we live a depressed life, not because of what somebody told us, but because we believed what somebody told us. You can blame whoever you want for where you are today, but they're not responsible. You and I are responsible because we believed a lie. Jesus says, stay here. In other words, don't move. I tell people, when you're in a storm, pause. Because in the midst of a storm, you will oftentimes make a decision that will create another storm. Stop. 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 Don't move fast. Make one decision at a time. When you are experiencing sorrow, it's often from a lack of rest, lack of sleep. Things didn't go the way you thought they should go. People haven't treated you right. There have been, there's been communication that's caused you to be fearful. Just to be honest with you guys, I don't like surprises. I know that, that that wipes out really neat surprise birthday parties, but I don't even like those. I don't like to be surprised. So if you want to surprise me, mail me a big check. <laughs> now, those surprises I can live with, okay? But I don't typically like surprises. So I'm just telling you, let me just give you some personal thing here. This may be something that, that you agree with, maybe something you don't agree with. I love technology. I really do. At the same time, technology can cause you to think thoughts that you shouldn't think. I saw a t-shirt recently that read this. Hold on, let me overthink this. This is what happens in our world when somebody leaves an open-ended message. Now, 
I get this all the time when people call me, and I, I'm not offended by it. I just don't like it. So if you ever call me, and some of you now will try to play a trick on me and call me and do this, don't, because I will text you something back that probably will not be sweet. It won't be bad. It'll be something like, that was so stupid. I didn't call you stupid. That was really stupid. When somebody calls and, and says, they call you and they leave a message, but they don't leave a message. Any of you ever have somebody call and say, hey, call me back. What do you want? I know you called because your number showed up. I get that. So why don't you tell me what you want when you call me? Like, hey, call me back. I got I, this and this and this and this. I call you back because you're not going to answer my call either. And I can say, well, here's an answer to what you call me about. It's brilliant. It's why we have voicemail. We don't have voicemail so I can know you call me. We have caller ID for that. I'm helping some of you out here, okay? Now, here's what happens. If somebody calls and does that, let's just say it's your boss. What's your first thought? Oh, my gosh, I'm going to be fired. Am I right? So now that creates stress. Enough stress unaddressed creates depression. So why don't you help some people out and tell them what you want? <laughs> I got a little overly excited on that. I'm one of those overthinkers. Oh, oh my gosh, I wonder what's going on. One of your kids calls and you haven't heard from them in a month. And, and you know, I mean, not, when they grow up, this is kind of how that plays out, right? And you know when they call and you haven't heard from them in a month, what do they want? Money. Isn't that strange that we all know that? Either we've had them call us or we did it as a kid. You see what I'm saying? So the idea is help people out. Don't cause people to overthink things. You can minimize depression by having a conversation with technology that lets them know what you want. Thank you. That was God's endorsement because y'all wouldn't clap. Make one good decision after another. This, if you want to climb out of the hole of depression, just say, tomorrow morning, I'm going to get up. I'm going to go to work, and I'm going to be happy. Just that one, just say, this is what I'm going to do. I'm not doing anything else. I'm not mowing the lawn. It's wintertime. You don't have to anyway. So <laughs> it's Oklahoma. Why do, I just have one question. Why do parts of the country things die and other parts they don't? I want to talk to God about this when I get to heaven. I think everything ought to be Floridian. This is, this, is, this is what comes out of this. Everything's dead. It's cold. You can't go outside. Okay, I've had my moment. Now, anyway. One decision at a time. Some of you simply say, I'm getting up. I'm going to church on Sunday morning. You say, well, what good does that do? Well, the Bible says... He inhabits the praises of his people. So you walk in. Some of y'all miss the praise because who knows why. I hear things like, well, this is too loud. You'll go to a Bon Jovi concert and sit right under the speaker. <laughs> but come to church and let it be a little loud. And oh, my God. And I mean not like in slang, but oh, my God.
don't know where I was going. Anybody help me? Wee. <laughs> I don't know. I'm feeling like going off the end of stage right now to distract you, okay? <laughs> oh, yeah, I got it. I remember now. That's what these are for. <laughs> Duh. One decision at a time. I'm coming to church. Music's too loud. And so you show up late. God inhabits the praises of his people. Well, why is that important? Because when God inhabits the praises, that means his presence is here. When his presence is here, that means you get joy. Well, why do I need joy? Because joy brings strength. And scientifically proven that endorphins kick in when there's joy in your life 40 times more than they would otherwise. God, all, God and science are so compatible, it would freak you out. And so whenever we put ourselves in the presence of God, we're literally battling depression without ever doing the battle ourselves. We're positioning ourselves in a place where God can do something. If you're having struggles at home, don't turn on your TV. Turn on worship. So, but I don't like worship music. I don't care if you like it or not. It'll change your life. It's my way of dealing with my stuff. Either listen to a sermon or listen to worship music to get me out of my funk. Because if you listen to a lot of other music, it'll just lead you right into deeper funk. And you'll be really up. Decisions help start us. Discipline help us finish. One decision at a time. You don't have to make a lot. Next week, make another decision. And then another decision. And before long, if you start making one good decision at a time, and you start experiencing a measure of success, you will start experiencing greater success one step at a time. You don't beat it overnight, typically. Now, God can do miracles. I believe in miracles. I really do with everything in me. And every time I have an issue, I want one. But how many of you know sometimes the miracle takes time? And I didn't just walk out of my depression. I mean, get out of it in a day. I walked it out. I addressed all the things in my life that were underlying that I had no idea were there. Everybody, you know, I want to speak. I had my daddy's in heaven, great daddy. But the reality is that I so wanted to, the approval of my father all of my life who never came to one of my games that I can remember. Football, basketball, baseball, track meets, never came to one. Working 16 hours a day. But you tell a kid, my dad works 16 hours a day. That just doesn't work. You know, because you don't understand that. In your mind, you're thinking, my life doesn't matter. And so I had a breakdown at 28 years old, collapsed in an office, ended up in the emergency room, only to find out it wasn't physiological. It was a soul issue that I wanted my father to approve, and for 28 years, I didn't feel I had that. And I found myself depressed over something that he could do nothing about, and fortunately, I had a counselor address it, and I did something about it. I can't fix you but I can fix me. Between me and God, everything's going to be all right. 
in my life. And you have that same opportunity. Make today count. Make today matter. The challenge is that we have eternity in us and that often interferes with the temporal around us. You and I, God has set eternity in the hearts of his, his people. He has set eternity in our hearts. And because of that, we oftentimes have an eternal mentality with temporal issues. And it's hard to reconcile those two when we know that the Son of God and His power is resident in us, but everything around us seems to be unaffected by the power that's supposed to be working in and through us. That creates depression in a person's life. And we have to address those issues by saying, I can't fix everybody and everything, but I can fix my response to crisis. I can address crisis in an appropriate fashion. But God has set power in you and in me to address these issues. In, in Matthew 6, and 34, it says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. One author put it this way, Everybody will experience pain, but you don't have to experience suffering. All of us will experience pain, but we don't have to experience suffering. Now listen to this. When I say experience, we don't have to live there. Jesus learned obedience through the things he suffered. But Jesus was looking, it said, with the cross set before him, with the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So Jesus sees, has joy set before him, but between him and the joy, he had to go through the cross. What happens with us is this, that our suffering is the result of living outside of today. In other words, I suffer when I think of all the things I did wrong when I was younger or when I, whenever. Regret for my past and, and hope for a future that may not come out the way I want. That creates suffering. When I look and say, but Jesus is here today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Forget yesterday. Paul says forgetting what lies behind. That's what we have to do is forget it because that's where depression has a stronghold in our lives. So make today count. Make one decision at a time. If you're going through depression, if you know someone who's depressed, just say, look, all you got to do is make one decision today. And then eventually you'll be able to make two and then three. And once you start feeling some success with one or two or three, you'll become encouraged. You'll become happy. You'll become confident. You'll become the person that Jesus wants you to become. But too often we want this magic pill to address issues that have been built up in our lives over a lifetime. And I had those issues. And I got to tell you, I had two years of finding out who I was. And I am so grateful for counseling. I am so grateful. You say, you saw a shrink? Oh, yeah, I did. Mm. And I didn't shrink back. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, most of us don't want to know who we really are for fear that we won't like who we really are. And there was a lot of me that I met that I didn't like. And, and, and I, I had the opportunity to say, I'm going to embrace that person 
who has tormented me for my life, my whole life. It wasn't my father, it wasn't my mother, it was me. It was paradigms in my mind, thoughts in my mind that had gone unaddressed and, and had been allowed to roam in my mind. You're not as smart as, you're not as good as, you're not, all these thoughts that would go on in mind, you'll never amount to anything, your grade point average, and da, 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 da. the list goes on. And those things run crazy in your mind. And before you know it, you've talked yourself out of who Jesus died you into. You're capable of far more than you think you are. But your mind will tell you otherwise if you let your mind rule your life. If you want something out of your day, you must put something into it. If you want peace today, you are the designer of peace. How do I do that? He said, I'll keep in perfect peace those whose minds are stayed on him because they trust in him. You don't control my peace. I can have chaos all around me. And I can still make the right decisions. It doesn't mean you let people run over you. It doesn't mean you don't make hard decisions. It doesn't mean that. It simply means in the midst of the difficulty and the giant in front of me, I'm going to keep peace within me. I'm going to do a series on boundaries because most of us don't have boundaries anymore. We just let people run in our lives thinking that it's politically incorrect for me to tell you you're stupid. <laughs> Am I right? I mean, I, I know that's a little over the top, but, you know, if I'm being stupid and you're really my friend, I'd love to hear you say, Mark, that's just stupid. Don't be the kind of friend that goes, that's stupid. That's really going to cost him. Tell me. No, political correctness says don't say it. You might hurt somebody's feeling. What about this? Say it, and you might save somebody's life. I'm a baby boomer. I'm not a millennial. I love you millennials. You listen to boomers. Sooners. Subliminal. <laughs> It's hard to find motivation in the moment when there's no hope in the future. Proverbs 23, 18 says, there is surely a future hope for you and your hope will not be cut off. It won't be cut off. You have a place to go more than you have a place to leave. Most people are running from instead of running to. Israel took 40 years to get to a promise to enter into the promised land that should have taken them two to two and a half weeks. They went in circles. They had still had Egypt in them. They kept going around in circles thinking about the food they had. They forgot about the beatings. They thought about the jobs they had. They forgot about the long hours. And oftentimes when we're running from something, in reality, we're thinking about that which we're running from, which keeps our focus on that which we're trying to escape. Instead of looking at the promise saying, God, those things are behind me. I know I have something before me. I'm not running from anything. I'm not exiting Egypt. I'm entering your promise. Too often we find ourselves running from our past, running from family, running from our, you know, all the things in our lives that were instead of running to all the things in our lives that can be, that Jesus gave his life for. And then lastly, make you a priority. Make you a priority. You know, honestly, this is a real challenge in a world that says, make everybody else's world wonderful. Let me tell you something. If mama's happy, everybody's going to be happy. If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody in the house happy. 
and she will make sure. So you what? We want mama happy. But mama has to choose to be happy. When mama gets happy, I'm telling you the world's happy. Women, you are a strong, strong group. You have power you know not of. Some of you go, oh, yes, I do. Sharpen your axe. Sleep. Exercise. Eat as right as you can eat. Do the things in your life that will contribute to wholeness in your life. You know, there are days I do not want to work out. I've got a gym in my home. It is literally 30 seconds, five seconds, depending on what part of the house I'm in away. And there are just days I drag myself to the, my gym and work out. I don't want to, but it's the right thing to do. How many of you know the right thing to do is not always the easy thing to do? Like saying, I'm sorry. <laughs> Some of you have the Fonzie disease. And most of you don't even know who Fonzie is. <laughs> so Google Fonzie. Trust me, there will only be one. You're not depressed because of what somebody else did to you. You're depressed because what you're allowing to be done to you. I was depressed not because of my parents, my past, where I was brought up. It's nobody's fault. I was depressed because I was not addressing issues in my life that created the depression. And now I can happily say I am one happy pastor. And uh, I, I know that irritates people who don't like me. So happy It's really the fun thing about being happy. It irritates unhappy people. <laughs> That's not biblical, <laughs> but it is kind of funny. <laughs> okay, I'm going to finish, kind of. I, I really am. I'm, I'm going to finish. Because there are some people who don't want to be better. How many of you remember the comic strip Peanuts? You remember that? Lucy, Linus. Well, Lucy was always kind of a downer. You know, Lucy was always, she had an attitude. Well, Linus was the brother who was always trying to keep her happy. And one day, Lucy comes in and she says, I'm just really crabby today. And Linus thought, I need to light everything up. I need to make everything better. He says, Lucy, why don't you just sit down in front of the TV? I'm going to go fix you something to eat. I'm going to get you, get, I just, just go sit down. So he goes in, he gets her all this food, and, and he puts it in her lap. And he can tell the countenance hasn't changed. Is there anything else I can get you? And, and, uh, and, and you know, he's just trying everything he can to make her happy. And, and he said, well, what else can I do? She said, not a thing. I don't want to feel better. There are people who don't want to be better. Don't you let their lack of better make you no better. You need to be better. You are the creator of your life experience. You're the creator. You're the designer. Sharpen your axe. Shape your life, not by what others say, not by your IQ, your EQ, your AQ. You're on cue. <laughs> Just choose. 
to be the designer of your life. Shape it. You know, so many years I, I shaped my life according to what everybody thought I ought to be and how I ought to do it. And, you know, there, there were probably some times that that was right. But so many times it was wrong. You know, God has a plan for your life. And his plan trumps every other plan that comes your way. I am who I am. And you know what? I'm okay with that. There are as many people who didn't like me when I wasn't who I was supposed to be as there is now that I am who I am. So if you're not, you know, you get to pick who doesn't like you. I picked a group of people who don't like me because I am who I am. I'm fun. I'm funny. I say things I shouldn't say. And I'm happy to do that for you. You'll pay $10.11 to go to AMC, and it won't be nearly this fun. And you'll overpay for popcorn and everything else. You come in here and eat donuts and drink coffee for free. Come on, somebody. Okay. Finally, at the end of it all, don't be afraid. Once you're through this process making that one simple decision at a time and applaud yourself for it. Make every day count and make your life a priority. It's okay. Bible says love your neighbors, you love yourself. If you don't love you, you ain't loving nobody else well. So man, just look in the mirror and say, hmm, sure love you today. <laughs> then when you walk out and you tell your wife you love her, it's really gonna be good because you love you too. It's born out of authenticity. Let's pray. God help us. <laughs> Lord, we love you. We are so grateful that we can laugh. And the Bible says laughter is good medicine. So today we've probably taken a little more than the prescribed dose. But we thank you, God, that uh, we, we truly have a father who loves to enjoy life with us. You're the one that authored it and gave it to us, that which you call abundant life. Lord, there are those today that that have had some good times, but in their mind, they're going back to thinking, well, that was fun, but Lord, I pray that they'd be able to stop and say, that was just really fun and life's gonna get better. With every head bowed and every eye closed, there are those of you that have not made a choice or decision to follow Christ for one reason or the other. You've believed a lie that one man could not possibly die on a cross thousands of years ago for the sins of mankind, past, present, and future. And yet nobody to this day has given a better plan than the plan of salvation that is offered through the Bible. Not one. Christ is the only body that they've not been able to find after he was buried, except that he came back in an immortal body. It's never happened. And I always tell people, say, you know what? If you accept Christ, you're not going to lose one thing. You say, well, what if it's not true? You've still lived a better life if it wasn't true. But if it is true, eternity's a real long time, and I believe it is true. And if you've not accepted Christ because you don't think you're good enough, you don't deserve it, join the human race. None of us do, but that's called grace. That's why God sent his son. Not because we're good, but because we needed one who was good. We needed one who could heal us and deliver us from the lack of good in our lives. So if you'd say, Mark, please pray for me in your heart right now. I want you to pray this prayer with passion that we're all going to pray with you and those of you watching online. Pray this with me. Say, Father God, come on, Father God, thank you for sending Jesus, your only begotten Son, 
to die on the cross for me. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. And today I call you Lord of my life and my Savior. Amen.